0: Sharon share share a testimony about her father uh, just passing away a few months ago and uh, what the Lord has done in walking with her through the valley. Um, My mom actually had some (laughs) great insight into this uh, that I wanted her to share a little bit. Uh, Remember how you talked about how dad prayed for sharing? So uh, for those of you guys who are new who don't know, uh, my father passed a month and a half ago. Uh, He was the the founder of this church. Uh, We served with him for 10 plus years, uh, saw him many times a week, Uh, but a couple months before he died, uh, Vic's uh, father-in-law also passed away, and uh, my mom wanted to share a couple things and a couple thoughts. Oh, not a couple, just one. Just one, okay. (laughs)
1: Okay, Um, yes, Sharon was uh, giving a testimony last week, and I was uh, really touched, especially she was standing here, and I remember my husband, uh, Papa Wang, uh, prayed every day, especially when her father got cancer. And uh, so he has been praying for him for about two years, right? Oh, two years, yeah. And until he died, yeah. every day. And uh, even though uh, right now, his uh, 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 her father passed away, and uh, now, after two or three, two months, uh, my husband passed away, uh, and I was uh, really thankful that even so that God didn't hear, take uh, take his daddy away uh, to heaven, and uh, and also take Papa Wang away. Heaven, but I I saw the children, their children, can in the times like this, in the time like this, the children can comfort each other, and uh, 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 I don't think my husband when he was praying for Sharon's husband, uh, a he he was uh, aware of it, that he will be soon also follow follow him to heaven, but yet, um, what a beautiful scene when, when Sharon and Joseph and Johnny, and they, they can all share the grief together and they can all share the hope together in Christ and be able to comfort each other and be able to anticipate to see Christ, to see their father uh, one day because of Jesus. And I really uh so touched. And there's only one thing I want to share. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, praise God. So always pray for <laughs> the others. Mm-hmm. Always pray for the others. Especially God gave us this uh, spiritual family together. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a, a blessing that we can pray for each other and we can support each other, helping each other
0: give each other a smile, yeah, wonderful, thank you. Thanks mom, yeah, she usually keeps things, uh, she usually talks a lot longer, so I'm actually very surprised, she kept it short today, good job. Thank you. Good job, good job. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But yeah, just to kind of echo that, it is um, just a, a, what a beautiful thing to God, um, to the death of the saints are beautiful, but even just the next generation, uh, doing the same as the previous generation, praying for one another um, in, uh, in difficult times, and just seeing that, that legacy of faith being inherited by generation to generation, even through the valley, is such a beautiful thing. Um, that's kind of actually a, um, a good segue to uh, what I wanted to share today. And uh, I wanted to talk about the image of Christ. Uh, as a uh, uh, as I bear the image of my father, and you guys bear the image of your fathers, uh, we are called to bear the image of Christ. And so, would you turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 8? Go ahead, and, and if you don't have a Bible, Cindy will uh, bring you one. Uh, but 2 Samuel 9, 1 through 8. I want to talk about a story that um, seems distant from the topic at first, um, but really. Uh, captivates, I think, uh, just a beautiful picture of God's heart. Second Samuel one through eight. Uh, so actually, uh, I, I was listening to that, my dad's sermon yesterday. Um, and I realized, I forgot that he always called on Jessica to read the Bible verse.
1: And then
0: Charlie to read it. And Charlie to <Charlie>, read <laughs> Jessica, can I continue this uh, legacy by having you read uh, First, Second
1: Samuel? Yeah. Actually,
0: maybe it's First Samuel. Is it First Samuel, guys? It's different. It might be First Samuel. I think I typed it no, in wrong. It's
2: second Samuel? It's okay, good. Go ahead, Jessica. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of... Meshir, the son of Amiel at debar. <laughs> uh, next, no. next next, slide, now. Yeah. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Meshir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar, and Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Uh, the son of Jonathan. Mephibosheth. 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 Okay. Mephibosheth. The son of, Jonas, <laughs> son of Saul came to David and fell on his faith and paid home. Homage. 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 And David said, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore you to all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he, po- he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for pod dead dogs such as I? Oh. Sorry, there's
0: eight dead dogs, which is oh, I. Okay, okay. good. Uh, so I want to talk about Mephib- the, the Mephibosheth today. I'm going to get tongue tied as well. Um, Mephibosheth was the son of uh, David's best friend, Jonathan. And um, Mephibosheth in Scripture was a cripple. And how he became a cripple was um, that that when Saul's entire family was being wiped out, not by David, but by uh, another army, uh, had Killed off uh, all Saul's wives, uh, sons, his uh, relatives, and when uh, Mephib- when that was happening, Mephibosheth was a baby, and his uh, nurse uh, grabbed Mephibosheth. This is like something out of the movies, right? She so grabs Mephibosheth and starts running out to the palace, but in her haste, she trips and she falls, and Mephibosheth then becomes a cripple. Um, and we have to understand that cripples um, in biblical times, uh, you know, America has a lot more compassion on the handicap. We have a cripple up here with uh, this <laughs> very, very, you know, display A right here. Um, but a lot more compassion for the handicapped. Back in the day, uh, in biblical times, cripples, blind men, uh, whatnot, they were considered a, a bane on society. Everyone had to take care of them. Uh, they were always begging. They needed your stuff. They were just considered the, the lowest tier of society, and so Mephibosheth went from being uh, the prince of the country down to a cripple, a nobody. And um, but to understand why David, who would uh, treat Mephibosheth with such kindness, uh, you know, his Mephibosheth's own grandpa was trying to kill David like half of David's life, right? Like a good amount of time his grandpa uh, was hunting him down, uh, like a hunter and a deer, all throughout Israel. Uh, Can you imagine that? David, you know, even just having to move from space to space, like going tonight, going to bed every night, thinking like, oh my gosh, like where is he, you know? Thinking about, oh man, could he pop out of the corner here? Like I gotta move here, I gotta move here, I gotta move here. Uh, And the Bible talks greatly of of David's distress during that situation. but despite that, David looked upon Mephibosheth with such compassion, despite what his family did to him. Why? And we to understand why, we have to look not, not solely at Mephibosheth, he was just a cripple, but we look at his father, Jonathan. Um, many of you guys who grew up as a Christian know the story of Jonathan and David. It is the most heralded, uh, most uh, trumpeted, perfect picture of friendship a godly friendship. Um, And so uh, Jonathan was supposed to be the crown prince. Jonathan was supposed to be the one to inherit the kingdom. Uh, But after David had killed Goliath, it said in scripture that uh, Jonathan met David, and from that moment, it was a God-given bond of friendship, that Jonathan loved David as he loved his own. Uh, there is um, no amount of human uh, reasoning or processing that can produce the type of love that supernaturally came upon Jonathan the moment he saw David. David was a threat to Jonathan's crownship. David should have, by all means, been Jonathan's enemy, but Jonathan loved David. Their friendship. Uh, it was deeper uh, than any kind of uh, connection that that even I've ever seen in current friendships. Because uh, it was a was, uh, the scripture actually talks about how uh, Jonathan took off his robe and gave it to David, and what that symbolized is everything uh, a loyalty that says, "Hey, I know the promises of God over your life. I know that God said that He would wipe out my family one day." And that you would take my place. And I come into full agreement with that, David. Like, even if it means me and my family lose everything. Like, here is my robe. Here is my my royal robe. I put it on you. You have my loyalty. You have my allegiance. And I will stand behind you. And that is that is an amazing picture. The love and the sacrifice and the humility that that. Characterize Jonathan's uh, love for David. Um, uh, Jonathan, though, where did that come from? Like, what what supernatural power came upon you that you would love David the way you did? And uh, I was just realizing that that love uh, reflected Jesus's own love. That Jesus in Hebrew says that Jesus did not grapple for power, um, grapple for equality with God. He didn't try to to push others down or try to attain equality with God, but he laid down his life, a servant of servants. That Jesus uh, looked at his own father with such intense love as Jonathan looked at David and said, here is my robe, here is my life. You may slay me, you may kill me, and everything I have may be taken from me, but I am loyal to you. Uh like Jesus was so loyal to his father. There was an intimacy of love there that uh, full of emotion because we often read the stories of, of of Jesus' relationship with his father and, and, and David and Jonathan, and we just kind of read it from afar, but there was such an intense emotional connection between the two, such great deep affection um, between Jesus and, and his own father and Jonathan. And David and uh, and David himself was touched Like he was so touched can you imagine The shepherd boy this this nobody son of Jesse his own brothers didn't like him <laughs> right um, he was uh, when when Samuel came to try to find the next king like his own father didn't call him out of the field uh, his father was like oh eh, yeah we have one more son I think you know <laughs> out there in the shepherd field somewhere do you really want to meet him and Samuel's was like yes He's like fine, you know. And he calls in David. David, nobody—not even his own family—has seen him. And yet, within a few months, like here he was, Jonathan, the crown prince, laying down his robe. The David. David was so touched, so moved. It actually said in scripture. um, And actually, I'm going to have you guys. uh, Where is it? Go ahead and go down. Keep going. This one, yeah. Uh, When Jonathan died, um, when Jonathan died, David uh, was wrecked. David was wrecked. He was, uh, you know, absolutely distraught. He said of Jonathan, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother. Jonathan, very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Um, Can you hear God's own heart there? Like what the God's own feeling towards his own son, Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross? Can you see it? The picture, the motions of God. Man, oh man, my son fallen. There he's slain on the high place of Calvary. I am distressed for you. Very pleasant has your love been for me. God's speaking it over Jesus himself. Very pleasant has your love been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary. Extraordinary. That's how God felt. But uh, even more so, right? Even more so. Like the love that David felt for Jonathan was just human. A reflection, a shadow of the emotions of God himself as he looked upon Jesus in Calvary—the intimacy of their friendship, their companionship, their love for one another—and—and um, and therefore, like when Jonathan passed, his son Mephibosheth, this this cripple, you know, many years later, David thinks to himself, like, how can I show love? How can I, how can I honor this love I had shared with Jonathan? He says, "Oh, Jonathan has a son." And little Mephibosheth, like completely cast out of society, even cast out of Israel at that time. He wasn't even living in Israel because he had, he had been cast out. Um, he hears a summon from David come to the king. And you can imagine Mephibosheth, like, trembling, like, oh my gosh, my grandpa tried to kill David. Like, what is he going to do to me? I'm a cripple, I'm a nobody. Like, is he going to try to kill me too? You know, and he goes into the courts of David, and David looks at him, and and, and his face just lights up, and he says, you, like, no longer are you going to be outcast. No longer are you going to be despised in the scorn of men. You, join me. Like, everything that was taken from you, from your father's house, I will restore to you, and you will eat with me. Every day, (laughs) every day now, there's a seat at the table right here for you. Come, join me. Wow. Mephibosheth, right? Like, who am I? He replies. I am just a dead dog. Like, that's how he felt about himself But in the light of, of David's love. He's just undone. Right. Um, but why, David? Why? It had nothing to do with what Mephibosheth did. David didn't even know the guy existed until two seconds earlier. right? But it's simply when Mephibosheth walked into the room, David saw Jonathan. He saw Jonathan etched in his face. Maybe his eyes looked like him. Maybe his nose. Maybe... Maybe he just smiled or laughed a little, and it reminded him a little bit of, of, of Jonathan, the one he loved. And I love the story of Mephibosheth because I'm Mephibosheth. Like I am a dead dog. Like my sins, my failures, um, the the iniquity within me. Like I am worthy to be cast. The way I've treated God, the way I've, I've lived for myself, um, I am a cripple. I am absolutely useless. But God looked at me, and not because of me, but he saw, etched in my face, the likeness of his own son, Jesus. Nothing that I did. Nothing that I said. No, no load did I lift at all, but simply because etched in my face was the likeness of Jesus, and the, the face of the king softened towards me. And I was invited, and we are invited, to the king's table for that soul sort of reason. The image of Christ, the image of Christ, like that is what we as Christians are called to be. And our journey from the moment that we accept him, the moment that we, we say his name, to the day that we die, is a journey of God etching the likeness of Jesus into our character. And it's not always fun. It's not always, you know, comfortable to do. But, but it is with a loving, intimate history of friendship between God and Jesus that He reaches down with His chisel and He etches the likeness of Christ into us. With the hope that we would sit with Him one day at the table, right? The Marriage Feast of the Lent. Um, if we'll scroll down a little bit. Uh, oh, oh, oh. oh, I actually didn't make anything from this, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no, that's not a good idea. Anyway. I just skipped over that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I wanna talk a little bit, um, Just just a few minutes about the image of Christ in you and me. You know, you think about, okay, like from that story, yes, like I wanna be the image of Christ, like I do, I do. How do I get there? What does that even mean? What does that look like to be the image of Christ? And uh, there are, like, there are three things that come to mind um, when I think about the image of Christ. Um, You know, God doesn't, God will not dine with, he will not call to the table just a photo of his son, <laughs> meaning he won't call to the table just, you know, the Christian who uh, says this in her prayer one time, just a snapshot in a moment, and uh, is no longer uh, being formed to the image of Christ. He's just one photo shot. That's it. God won't dine with that. He's not interested in dining with a photo. He's not interested in dining with a, a statue, you know, a statue that's chiseled and, and does look like Christ. And if you're from a distance, people might think, oh, yeah, there is the image of Christ. But it's void and lifeless of the blood of Christ. Void and lifeless of the, the soul and the heart and the conversation and the, the walking and the breathing and the speaking of Christ. God is not interested in dining with the statue. But he is interested in dining with the image of Christ. And the image of Christ, when we think about Christ, like, what do we think about? His image. Like what do we think about us? His, his, um, his likeness. Like one of the first things I think about is, uh, you know, even just the outer image, like the character of God. Like the number one thing that comes to my mind is his humility. Uh, even actually, Jesus only said one thing ever about himself. Did you know that? Like Jesus could have said ten bazillion things about himself. He could have said, "I am powerful." I do this, I do that, I do that, I am like this, but there's only one thing that Jesus describes himself as, humble, meek. Um, Though he was rich, yet he became poor, the character of Christ's humility, meek and lowly of heart, a servant of servants, Um, the way he washed his disciples' feet, casting aside that that self conceitedness in us, interwoven in our nature, um, striving against pride and just taking on the character as we look at Christ and his humility. I think of, of Christ's likeness and his image and his diligence towards God. Like how diligent Jesus was at his Father's business. Not, not one who sought his own rest, not one who, who slept through the, through the nights and laziness. No, that wasn't Jesus. Jesus was one who was diligent about his Father's business. As Spurgeon said, uh, Jesus was not one who slept upon the oar that he ought to tug, but reclined upon the sword with which he should fight. We find him one who went about doing good, who knew no rest except that wondrous rest which his holy toil afforded in his spirit. I have food to eat, said Jesus, that ye know not of. Now if we would be like Christ, we must conquer our constitutional sloth. We must spurn all the softness of ease. We must be good soldiers and bear hardness. We must spend and be spent about the Father's business if we would bear his image. I love that description. Um, so now I'm just on the outside, the humility and diligence that Jesus carried, but on the inside. Uh, his, uh, his prayerfulness, his devotion on the inside. It, it was as if Jesus, when he was done Serving on one side of the mountain, he would just go to the other side of the mountain to pray. While others slept um, the slothful sleep of, of the world, he was up at night praying, and diligence, and devotion. He was carrying the weight of uh, intimacy with God, the weight of the burden of the world. and he would bring it faithfully before the Father, the intimate relationship that Jesus carried on the inside. We cannot be like him till we cannot be like him only in public we cannot be like him until we are also in private God's own but a third thing that that reminds me of the image of Christ and we cannot be like him unless we are willing to bear the cross uh, Jesus's own invitation to this, uh, that that we would bear the cross and follow him to be like him. As he goes first, I just picture Jesus you know, turning back and looking at us and being like, come on, come on pick up your cross. And uh, the cross of what? The cross of suffering. The cross of, of being willing to, to be spat upon by men and, and the shame of the cross. Like to be like Jesus, we, we have to not love the world. We have to be willing to be to be different, to be despised, to lose friends, to lose family, to, to have those awkward moments where it's like, no, what, I'm sorry, I can't do this. I can't walk this way. I can't even catch the good visions that this world has to offer because I am devoted to carrying the cross. Uh, the cross has been crucified in flesh. Man, especially in America, we have, from the moment we are going to school till, you know, whatever, we are inundated with this American dream. Um, but to bear the cross is to lay that down and to, to take on the, the, the sufferings of Christ. Um, I was telling this to the Bible study the other day, but there's plenty of people who want to follow Jesus in the Galilee. The Jesus of the Galilee was the Jesus who gave you a ton of fish, <laughs> the Jesus who had cast out your demons, the Jesus who was super popular with 5,000 people following him. Da, 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 everyone wanted to follow Jesus when it was nice. Um, but when Jesus said, I'm going down to Jerusalem. Like, how few followed him? How few followed him into Jerusalem where he was despised, where he was accused, where he was not popular? And even fewer followed him. When he picked up that cross. In fact, nobody followed him at that point. Even his closest friends at that point, you know, bailed out. Um, isn't it amazing that even in Jesus' own personal experience, when everyone forsook him, he still looks at us with hope and he says, Pick up your cross. Come. He still invites us. He's not like, eh, nobody follows me anyway, but he, out of love, like, come, pick up your cross. Follow me not just in Galilee. Follow me to Jerusalem. Not just Jerusalem, but to the cross. The suffering, the shame, the dying of the world and its desires. Bear my image. Be like me. Oh, I still don't have the slide for it. Okay. (laughs) I got to make sure I look at my slides next time before I actually start. But... One question, um, you know, that's all good and well. Like, yeah, I want to bear the image of Christ. Yeah, here's what God looks like outside, inside, the cross. I want that, but how? How do you bear the image of Christ? And there's a verse that um, stands out to me in 2 Corinthians three eight. And We'll turn to that and that'll be the last thing we talk about. But if you guys will turn to the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.8.
2: Jessica, go ahead and read it. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord.
0: Yeah. There. That's it. If you want to boil down what Christianity is and how to be a Christian, like you want to distill every law and every every um, advice of Christianity to its basic thing, It's right. Unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. There's a principle um, that we talk about beholding and becoming. That what you behold, you will become. Um, Guaranteed, you know, if you are beholding a ton of wrap videos, you will become probably someone who looks like them, who talks like them, right? You can always uh, tell when someone is um, uh, beholding, maybe even like, you know, sports, there's going to be a part of you that just desires to become more. What you behold, you become. We are uh, created to behold God. And when we behold God, we become more and more. The big challenge, I think, of American Christianity is uh we do a lot of thinking about God. Like, we do a lot of reading about God. We're very educated people. But we do very little beholding. It's actually very challenging for us to behold. We're so used to, uh, you know, video games, things flashing by, you know, movies flashing, flashing. It's hard for us to just sit and behold the beauty and so we'd rather be filling our minds with knowledge. Like, just give me, I'll, I could read the Bible less behind, but just getting me to sit there and actually reach out in my mind's eye by faith to look at him, to behold his character, to meditate. Like, that's actually where we become transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so um, I actually wanted to end with uh, inviting my brother and uh, my mom uh, my brother, Joseph, and my mom, my mom always looks surprised whenever I tell her she's coming up, like she doesn't, <laughs> I may have forgot to tell you about this, actually, oh. to be honest, but um, I'm going to have right my now. mom, and uh, Joseph come up, Come my mom, and, um, and I actually wanted to, this is a new thing we want to try to do, but I, uh, we're calling it, at the end of this sermon, just to have five minutes of what we call Pastor's Corner, Yeah, I, I think it just stems from a recognition that we are young and we are inexperienced <laughs> and we have much to learn from those who are older than us. Um, but yeah, uh, I just want you you know maybe starting with you, Joseph, to just share like a reflection about the image of Christ and then passing on on to mom. Yeah.
3: Oh well, thanks, Jay. Thanks for that message. Um, and uh, I just write down questions from mom actually as I Oh asked okay. Too. So, um, Joe was uh, talking about. Um, the way that Jonathan, uh, he, like, deserved this. He was, like, a prince. He, you know, he had the inheritance. His, his was the next uh, to become king. And because of his love for David, he lays that down. He takes his robe and puts it on, on David. Um, and that image of that sacrifice to do that, to lay it all down, uh, for the one that you love, for the one that you think is worthy, um, I think it's all,
1: all of our calling is Christians.
3: I, I just... I think as a parent, when you're thinking about your kid, you want the best for them. Um, you want to give them like everything, like the best education, the best. Um, you want them to have the best health. You don't want them to suffer any pain, any hurt, any you know suffering. You know, you, as a parent, you, you want to protect them. But at the same time, as a Christian parent, how do you want the best for your kids in terms of college education, like a good job, like good marriage, like a uh, good you know uh, house and car and all these good things that did not suffer harm but how do you balance that also with the calling of Christ the possibility that would God call them to lay that all down and that they would walk a path of suffering where that maybe they don't get all of those things. How do you uh, how do you do that? How do the parents and even for the parents here or even everybody here that to to um, you know to to want those things for their kids, for the people that they love but also uh, to balance that with the calling of Christ that um, it's a path of suffering to deny themselves to walk uh, with the cross like Jonathan does. Like, we all kind of want those things um, and those are sometimes good things to want especially for the people that we love like the kids but um, how do you do that but, sorry literally a long question yeah wow
1: he always surprise, always, huh? <laughs> we didn't, we did You forgot to tell her she's doing. Post, a post message one. test. <laughs> uh yeah. I think uh, we all like to give the best to that our, especially our loved one. You know, we always want them to have the best, especially the children. You know, like, like you, it's part of your life. However, I think that. In the Bible, it also says one word. Uh, besides the image of God, when, when, when Priscilla was talking about the image of God, I just remember that God created us and gave us breath. And breath, huh? in the beginning of the uh, age, huh? he breathed to his uh, nostril, nostril. And then because he said, let's create a man that image. So we are created to be in the image of God. Even in the beginning of this world. Mm-hmm. We are I mean, God's heart is to have us. All can have his image. And we are just a fail, you know, fail, because of it. No, no. <laughs> you blame all it. But actually we are all are sinners, you know, in a way that we cannot paste the test. But God has redeemed us. Jesus, and if if not because of Jesus, we are doing nothing. We are just dust. Because the the penalty of death uh, of sin death. we are just dust. But of uh, to giving up our children the best. Uh, there's a, there's a one sentence it says in one verse says says in the Bible, why. which means, uh, There's no good part of
0: from uh, a part
1: from Christ, there is no good in us. Yeah, no, the no, the only good is only in Christ. Yeah, apart from him, from him, there is no other good. Yeah. And we want to give all the good, not basing all the goods to the Christ. And it says uh, that even this is, uh the past Friday we will we will, we will study the Is uh, Is Isaiah. Isaiah. it says that. Uh, when your children uh, receive the teaching of Christ, of uh, God, of the Lord, they will enjoy the peace and prosperity. So, uh, I, I, in my journey of uh, raising up my children, I always uh, try my best to show them to always honor God first in everything they do. I myself try also do try my, uh to be the example of it. Uh, no matter if they are they need to go to school or they need to go to whatever sports uh, or any homework I haven't finished. On Sunday morning they all have to go to church. And uh, that is uh, one of the ways to show the respect to the Lord. Honor God first. And, uh, and they have been doing that. And I think they all blessed by that. And I always, not just by that, uh, I also ask them to always give tithes. It's not because of church needs money or whatever, or any reason, but it's because of those money and belongs to God. You can steal other people's stuff. Okay. Still is, no, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but still is, uh, to, You know, because God knows everything. You know, steal money from other people, people may not know, or even you can cover it up. But steal money from God, okay, that uh, you are, you are is, you are sinned against it, not just people, it's sinned against God. And God is an almighty God, He knows everything. You cannot cover the things up. and He is worthy for all the honor, praise. If you own God, God will honor you. That's, that's what the Bible says. Own God first, God will own you. Give the, uh, the, give, the more you give to the Lord, the more God will give it back to you. And uh, in my life, uh, I really uh, experience that. And I also want my children to experience that. That our Father, heaven and earth, and all the, among the, all the heaven and earth, Everything actually is all belongs to God. And God can really bless you. And those types are just the belong. Those are just the God has demanded us. I saw the Jews, Israel, Jew, Jewish people, that uh, one, one, one time, that was years ago, a rabbi told people, say, in Taiwan, the church say you know why Israel still surviving after all this second world war all this nazi or the the, the 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 killing all this you see because jews always keep two things one is always sunday their sales and the second thing is their tithe yeah. and so their 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 people never even though other countries try to cut them off but god preserve them because they can't these two things. Okay? These two things also separate them separate them from Gentile and Israel. Okay, so they are strict to, to the law. Okay, so there's a character. God I think God on the Ten Commandments, the first three is honor God. The fourth one is a, is a honor your parents. Yeah. God honor God is very important.
2: Very good answer. Can I, okay. no.
3: <laughs> I think the Sabbath is, that, that's a that's a really good uh, um, honoring God and, and remembering the Sabbath and keeping, um, keeping holy. I, I, actually that reminds me, um, you know that definitely on as growing up on Sundays was absolutely like you, know, you had you had to be a church. In fact, my brother was smart enough. My younger brother was smart enough to use that. My mom tried to send him to SAT class, which she sent all of us too. He had said, "Well, the SAT class is on Sunday." you got to rest on Sunday. I was like, man, why did I think about that? Why did I think of that? You can talk to. Same thing with Chinese school. It's like, Chinese school's on Sunday. Nope. you got to rest on Sunday. <laughs> I, was, I, I wasn't I I was that smart. I think that. Oh, anyway. yeah. but, Johnny uh, was just trying to honor the
1: Lord. Yeah, so. that's, right, that's right. I don't know if at that time. I'm both like this. All right. Well, how
3: about one last one more question yeah. for you? Oh, one last question. So for you, so... Um, and thinking about Mephibosheth and um, Mephibosheth had nothing. He's, he's a cripple and yet it is not his um, performance or his abilities or anything that, that David elevates him up to the level of the table um, and, uh, and it receives this great reward but it's because of, um, not because of what he's done but because of what John had done. And in the same sort of way, you know, our standing with God the Father is not for what we have done but what Jesus has done for us. So, um, but I think also sometimes when we're serving in church or we're, uh, as Christians, um, how, how do we balance remembering Because uh, you know, sometimes people will, will praise you for certain things Oh you're good at this, like maybe, you know, you're good speaking Or, or this identifying those gifts and things in our life That are good, that God has given us uh, How do we keep from um, having that pride That oh yeah, like I'm good at this Maybe like somebody's good at worship All the skills or, or things that they've gotten um, How do you keep that balance Because sometimes we go too far the other direction too Where it's, it's this false humility Like oh no, no, no that, you know, I think as, as Asian people sometimes you fall into that very often, oh, no, no, don't recognize anything this or that, that's good. Um, but then also how do we remember that everything, that what we have is not from what we earned, uh, but it's actually from, from Jesus. Like how do you continue to live in that balance? Um,
1: I remember when I was preaching one day, I told everybody that the first thing in the morning when I get up, I always say, praise God. Because uh, you can have life, you still be able to breathe. Uh, and uh, God still gives one more day for you to do things. Uh, and so I always say, good morning. God uh, always praise God, I can stay alive. Uh, because everything, God, as Jesus said, I'm the way to the truly the life. You know, we can stay alive it's because of Jesus, yeah. His mercy. And we can do all the things, see, all because of God give us the talent. Some you think of, some are given, given 30, some are given 100, you know, in the in, in the Bible talk. I but no matter what, we need to be a good and faithful servant for yeah, That's what God required of us. Even today like he cannot walk. <laughs> but his father can walk. So his father helping him. And yeah, I know. We will help you too, your father will like. <laughs> leave a little. Um, so today, we we are all one body in Christ, none of us is can say to the others, I'm better than you. No. Because we are body in Christ. The hand cannot say, oh, I'm better than you feet, if there is no feet, you have to you know, do another work. The head has to do another work, and you are not complete. You, 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 you suffer too. So, as a family, I say, oh, body, Christ, we need to help each other, and not thinking about who is low down, second class or first class. Or he is a he is a lawyer, he's a doctor, he's better, or he's more smart than the others. You know, actually, when when I first met, I said, I think. I thought I'm better than I said. Well, I never, well I, my memory is better, than, but uh, you know, at least I have got some memory. But look at I said, that, that's no much. You know, look at look at that. But then you know, wow, he got a memory, uh, like a Xerox machine, huh? Never forget things. He can he can memorize all the, all the all the recipe. You know, every how many cup, how many how many teaspoon, how many. Ah, oh, I was so amazed. So everybody has their gift. You don't think that God gives him more than I do. God's in fair and God knows it, but He can handle it and give it to you. And so I, I, I just think that, what was the question? That's a really good answer.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I think that's a really good answer in that, you know, we can avoid the pitfalls of pride in the gifts that we have, um, only in the context of a body, yes. only in the context of a body. If, uh, we're, we're using those gifts to serve, to wash other people's feet, not for our own uh, glory or praise, but in the context of, of, of the body of Christ for the family. And the that's, that's how we it. So that's a really good
0: answer. Thanks. Thank you. Good, luck, good luck. All right. Uh, well, let's actually take some moment to pray and respond. Um, it's really important. I always tell our, our people that you know, knowing things is just going to puff you up with pride. Learning things will just puff you up with pride. But we got to take it. We got to speak it to the Lord. You got to practice it out and worship Him. So let's go ahead and stand up and, and let's pray.
1: You all rise. God we just um
0: just take a moment to ask for grace to be in your image. And I ask you right now that you would just release your presence in this room. And even right now, God, that areas of our hearts that are so rough, that still need to be conformed into the likeness of Christ, we just ask for grace to reflect your image well. We just ask for grace to magnify your image in our life, that when we walk through our daily life in our family, our work, school, that we would bear the image of Christ well as a testimony before family members, teachers, peers, co-workers, God, I ask, um, that you would find here in this place a beautiful reflection of Jesus, God, I just even ask right now that we would feel um, your affections over our hearts, that we would sit at your table, that we would see and behold your glory, be transformed into the likeness of Christ. God, I ask that we would be able to sit at your table and see the way that you look at us with affection like David looked at Mephibosheth. That you look at us and you see Jesus God, teach us how to, to stay there, to abide in the vine, to stay connected to that affection from your heart. Would you show us, open our spiritual eyes and see, open our spiritual ears to hear, that even right now, God, we would behold you better. That we would see the tenderness in your eyes. Your character. And that it would transform us into becoming more and more just take a moment, go ahead and keep your eyes closed. And, um, just have a conversation with the Lord, like an honest one, before God. Like let him highlight areas of your life that he wants to, to pour out his love on, that he wants to, to tell you. Maybe he's saying, like, I'm so proud of you for looking like Christ like this. Or, or he's saying maybe that, hey, I want to, to conform this area a little more like Jesus. Just go ahead and speak to him. Take a moment to talk. Thank you.